0: Explain CRT. I have guests joining me in studio Lynn Davenport and Meg Backish, to talk about the practical side of critical race theory. And then CRT, the June 17th Dallas Summit, and beware. Kamala is going to be our new voting czar. What can go wrong with that? And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. I am
1: One voice, United Debbie Addis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by G.C. Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry.
0: And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. We are going to spend a lot of time today talking about critical race theory, and I've been talking about it over the last few weeks. We've had different speakers and different guests joining us. I want to talk a bit about the practical side of it today, so our two guests in the studio who will join me shortly we're going to tell about their experiences working on critical race theory and raising awareness of it uh, and the dangers it imposes on the schools and our children. And they'll be coming up in just a moment. But first, I have to share with you, this video went viral. So I going to guess well, my listeners, you most, uh, most of you have already seen it. But I sent Matt, the wonderful producer, a very short video of a dad and his daughter talking about critical race theory. You got to get out your Kleenex. Go ahead and play it, Matt.
2: Daddy teaches you can be anything in this world that you want to be, right? Don't Daddy teach you that? Yeah, and it doesn't matter if, if you're black or white or any color. Doesn't matter if you're black, white, brown, yellow. yellow. Right? Black. And and how we treat people is based on who yeah. they are and not and what they're color nice. they are. And if they're nice and smart. See? This is how this is how children think right here. Critical race theory wants to end that. Not with my children. It's not going to happen. My baby's going to know that no matter what she wants to be in life, all she has to do is work hard, and she can become that. Work hard even though you don't know anyone. You can make friends. <laughs> yeah, you can make friends, no matter what color they are. So we need to stop CRT, period, point, blank. Children do not see skin color, man. They love everybody. If they're good people. They love them.
3: We pray for people that are hurt. Okay. Can you even
0: stand how cute that is? That went viral. That was actually the dad in that video put the video up on TikTok and somebody found it on TikTok and put it out on YouTube and it has now just gone viral. So sweet. So precious. His dad basically saying to reject critical race theory. I love the message. I love the simplicity. I love that sweet little girl. But I do want to tell you as I was preparing for this show and also for the conference I'll be hosting here in Dallas on June 17th the more I dig in, the more I realize there was a lot of history to the critical race theory and its evolution and development in America that I didn't really know about. Just this morning, I came across a very, very lengthy, allegedly intellectual and learned paper that was written by someone at the University of Wisconsin. He was actually, is actually a graduate student, and he distills critical race theory down to these items, and I want to tell you what they are. He says, number one, he says, these are the five major components of critical race theory. The notion that racism is ordinary and not aberrational. Let me translate that. He's calling everybody a racist. Number two, the idea of interest convergence. He's into this concept of intersectionality. So everybody, no matter what minority issue you may fall into, a heck, you know, could be left-handedness. But there is essentially a core... uh, Force pulling you together and forming this group that is going to then accuse the rest of society of being intolerant. This is intersectionality, like every single gripe you have should be lumped together. Uh, This social construction of race, basically talking about American history and the whole concept that. Everything in America is premised on race. Uh, He also has the idea of storytelling and counter-storytelling, which isn't worth going into. And the last one, the notion that whites whites have actually been recipients of civil rights legislation, basically saying all the civil rights legislation ever passed was really for the benefit of and inured to the benefit of white America. One fundamental idea you must understand about critical race theory. One of the foundational tenets is that even when people in society, even when Caucasians, white people in society do something nice or support uh, civil rights legislation or speak up against racism, no matter what you do, no matter how you act, no matter how, how you speak, you're always guilty. You can never escape critical race theories, condemnation of you because of the color of your skin. This is one of the many reasons I say There's no love in critical race theory. It is a perpetually and intentionally divisive ideology. It is intended to permanently divide. There's no outcome, there's no deadline, there's no goal to say, okay, now that we reach this goal, we can all sit back and just treat each other as fellow human beings. This does not exist in critical race theory. It's permanent, intentional hatred and division infested in our society. Which leads me to the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, Um, who is just rising in popularity every day, but he decided in Florida that he was going to ban critical race theory in the public schools. This is part of what we'll get into in a moment with our guest in the studio, but he basically said, it was the best clip you ever heard, he said, we are not going to teach our children in this state to hate each other. We're not going to teach our children in our state to hate their country. They're not going to hate America, they're not going to hate each other, This is not what we're going to do in this state. It was a great sentiment and my impression of him, very earnestly, uh, he's very earnest when he said it. He means it. He's going to try to do that. But that's a good way to wrap up our first five today because I'll tell you that even though he did mean it and even though he may try to do that and he may have legislators who are behind him who agree and try to do that, the simple fact is critical race theory is not something like, The teacher standing in front of the room and saying, "Okay, class, today we're going to talk about, you know, uh, gravity. Let's all understand gravity. It's not a topic like gravity or a topic like critical race theory. It isn't taught that way. It is far more insidious, snake-like, slithering its way into virtually every aspect of public education and intentionally placed in educational systems in a way that parents don't recognize it, they don't even see it, they probably never hear about it. And so even when you try to remove critical race theory from the public schools in Florida or anywhere else, you still have a large portion of the student population hearing the ideas of critical race theory because as I say, it's not a topic like gravity, it's a way of thinking. It is a lens that sees all of America and all of the world and every issue there is through the lens of race. You no longer can honor the Martin Luther King, the beauty of Martin Luther King's idea of not judging people by their color of their skin, but rather by the content of their character. All you'll ever do for the rest of time, if you honor critical race theory, is judge people by the color of their skin. And that is not good enough for America. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. I mentioned at the start of the show. We have guests in the studio. Always much more fun. Um, I'm just very grateful they could be here today. I have Lynn Davenport and Meg Backus joining me in the studio, and they've been very active here in the great state of Texas. Uh, but what they're going to talk about in Texas and what happened and their efforts to try to raise awareness about this, and really to study how critical race theory gets into the schools, this is a microcosm of things happening around the country. And if you read this, by the way, I think I linked on our website, AmericaCanBeTalked.org. I linked to this paper by this University of uh, University of Wisconsin Milwaukee paper by Nicholas Daniel Hartlip, in which he goes through 18 pages of intellectual-sounding blather, which you can gel down into this: critical race theory is here to stay in their worldview. It is to be pushed and pushed and pushed until all you can do in America. All you can do in education is see other people by their skin color. As I said, not good enough for America. So turning now to our guests, I'd like to welcome to our show both Meg Backage and Lynn Davenport. Hi, ladies. Hi. I'm glad you could be here. This is really fun. Okay, so I'm just going to launch in because you two are far more activists than I have been, especially on this issue. Um, I mean, I'm an activist, but not as much as you have been on this issue. So I wanted to start with, you both were talking about a particular school district here in our area. We're in North Texas, Dallas area, um, and trying to uh, aware that critical race theory had kind of worked its way into that district and maybe others in North Texas. And one thing you were both telling me on the phone we talked earlier today was that As I was saying about Ron DeSantis, you can say, we're gonna take it out, but you really can't take it out because of the way critical race theory is pushed in the public schools. I'm gonna start with Megan, Meg because you had looked at this. How is critical race theory getting into the hearts and minds of our precious little children if it isn't through a very formal teaching by their teachers?
3: Well, what we have found in our district, and it's really in all districts, is social and emotional learning is the buzzword. And social emotional learning essentially is CRT so it's a way that they embed CRT into every academic realm whether it's English or math it's in it's under the guise of SEL and it's embedded in the curriculum and where it really comes into the schools is through educational technology through applications and one of them would be Brain Pop, where the founder of Brain Pop said, the way that we're going to teach adults is through the children, and that's how they're going to learn about racism. And another okay, I gotta interject because
0: yeah. I even heard you're saying that the people who created this program said the way we're going to teach adults is to go through the kids first.
3: I'll tell you his exact quote is, my approach is that one cannot rely on adults. I teach the kids so that they will educate the adults. I'm transferring the responsibility to the children. That is how we worked when it came to addressing racism in the US. Okay, what is BrainPop? BrainPOP is a computer application that is in basically every school. It's K through 12. And what parents have found, thankfully, you know, with their children home in COVID on digital learning, they're able to see finally what their children are doing in, in school. And they're seeing that BrainPOP is advocating for Black Lives Matter, for tra- transgenderism, for LGBTQ rights. It's just a means of getting this in front of the children. And these applications, many of them are computer adaptive. So how it works is it nudges a child to a specific outcome that the software programmer has programmed into the You mean outcome as an answer to the question? Yeah. Well it's a mindset. So if you're if you don't answer the question correctly, it cha- the, ch- the question changes based on your previous answer in order to nudge the child to a specific outcome.
0: Okay, I want to go back, this SEL, and I think that is the, uh, for our listeners, that social emotional learning, SEL has been something that we talk about in the show before, and I'm going to turn to Lynn, because I know you were very familiar with SEL. Give us a kind of a big picture. What is SEL in these public schools?
1: Well, it's something that teachers have always addressed, the social and emotional needs of children. So on the surface, it sounds good, and in some ways it can be good but it wasn't a formal curriculum or a formal, uh, it wasn't embedded in the, what they were learning in the past. So teachers would always address your, your emotional needs or, you know, things are happening in the classroom. Uh, but what SEL is, it's, um, it's to change the attitudes, the beliefs, the values of the child. And it's uh, really, it's unlearning. And so it
0: unlearning uh, of,
1: unlearning of whatever they, they've been taught at home. That could be, Uh, It could be their political leanings, it could be anything, Uh, their religious beliefs. Those things can be nudged, as she said. You can nudge a child in a certain direction to get the kind of outcome you want, but um, it's also, um, you'll see it in, um, they do actually stand up there in the front of the classroom, not like CRT they don't, but with SEL, they will literally say in Richardson ISD, okay, kids, we're going to start. With your SEL for the day, and they will do some sort of, um, you know, the hold up, these signs like, How are you feeling today? And it's different emotions. So it taps into the affective affective domain, it taps into the emotions of the child, asks them how they're feeling that day. And it's, um, you know, those are things, like I said, they're, they're things that the teachers can see for themselves. You can tell if a child is not feeling great that day. But with this, um, she mentioned the technology. There's also apps and things that are actually testing the behaviors and the attitudes and the feelings of children for that day. So a teacher can actually have a dashboard, and it will say, "So and so is feeling sad." Little Johnny so-and-so. sad, little and they're collecting Susan's- data on that. And so you can, and this is these are longitudinal data systems that are being collected on children that we don't know, you know, where that information is going.
0: Um, what do you say? You mean longitudinal data system? Well,
1: that—that's that, that a, a, a whole other. <laughs> the, you know, state by state, they're not supposed to be collecting inter. There's not the data collected state to state is not supposed to be. Um, sure. a- shared. And, but eventually there will be, and all 50 states have longitudinal data systems that are tracking all kinds of outcomes and things on the children, not just academic but also behavioral. And so um, those things eventually will be connected and you will have a national uh, system that is tracking. Kind children. of a
0: massive tracking system of children. So I say, it's well, dad. little Timmy was really, really angry a lot in second grade. I mean, yeah. right? That kind of thing.
3: Right. And then what they do is they they have programs in our district. They send out an email proudly announcing that we're, we're starting a new cur- curriculum called Character Strong and Purposeful People. So when you think about the fact that they're teaching character traits, whose character traits are they? Whose values are they? Are they what the government defines? Are they what your family defines? And so when you, the other issue that we We're facing is when you're teaching what you teach, you then assess. So now what we have is they're teaching character traits and they're scoring and grading them, which is really unconstitutional. That's something that they do in China with Sesame credits and should not be done here in the United States. And this is
1: coming from our commissioner of education. He Mm -hmm. has we've caught him on audio saying that he wants to embed character traits in the assessments, which eventually will lead to well he star. already has
3: it's it's done i mean they they um, the star test that is it's yeah in that. the star test yeah mm-hmm.
0: okay so what was the what will be the defender of this system this and by the way here we are the great state of texas we actually have allegedly conservative government as compared with other states that have more big government big brother type leadership as as the operational mode you think in texas we have at least a gop majority and we ought to sometimes be sometimes we make the assumption that means we have Conservative policies, but back to this this, uh, director of education. So, what would be the defense he would offer, he or she would offer, about why they are doing this, why they're collecting this? What's the good reason to do this? That he would say this justifies it.
1: If you don't teach, they they think that if you don't teach character traits at school, then the children will not learn how to behave and how to
0: because parents couldn't have a role because,
1: right and so instead of addressing you know I say we need a daddy campaign in in the US and start talking about the importance of daddies and their role in, in social and emotional development but um, no with this with this commissioner who was appointed by Governor Abbott he I mean I say he's a Marxist and, by definition. But um, he would say, oh, the child, uh, well, the children can't learn if they don't have their social and emotional needs met. They can't learn if they're hungry. And, and just, you know, that's true to some degree. I mean, if you're emotionally distraught, you can't sit there and read a book if you're, if you're under some sort of trauma. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying we shouldn't address the social and emotional needs of children, but focusing on testing uh, and, and making the curriculum about attitudes, beliefs, values, behaviors, then you're shifting away from academics into the affective domain, which it's it's no surprise that academic outcomes are declining in my district and Meg's district. Mine's Richardson ISD, hers is Highland Park ISD.
0: Yeah, well, it's actually two very, very bad outcomes, probably many more, but Certainly, the reduction of what amount of time a child can spend learning. You know, if you're spending half your day talking about how you feel about how your you mother, made you make your bed this morning, you really mad about that. Um, or, you know, so you're, you're delayed or you're pushing away from what you should be learning. Um, but you're also, the, I, I, the part that bothers me so much is you're agreeing that the state's going to substitute its judgment for that of the parents as to what values you should instill in your children.
3: Yeah. Well, I think it's even more insidious than that. I think we need to actually use their wording because. All of these frameworks are coming from CASEL, which is the Collaborative Academic for Social and Emotional Learning. And I'm I'm gonna read a quote from, from their CEO and what they what they say about SEL is that they've re- revised the dif- the definition to highlight the value of SEL as a weapon for social justice and that's her quote she says a weapon for social justice okay. before you
0: read this hold on castle again is collaborative academic and a, social emotional learning for
3: academic and social emotional learning it's a company like so it's a private company it's a private company that uh, for instance purposeful people and character strong that Highland Park uses to teach character traits uses the castle framework in order to teach these these character traits. And their, their CEO states that it is a weapon for social justice and what they do, and this is her quote, it helps students move from anger to agency and then to action. So the purpose of social emotional learning is truly to make activists of the next generation and we're really seeing that product in our society today. So what Lynn's speaking about is 100% accurate. We've always teachers have always had an impact on a child's character development whether it's stand in line quietly, don't touch, you know, don't touch your neighbor, keep your hands to yourself, share your toys. That is that is all part of character development. This is something very different. This is a a push to a specific outcome in order to create activists of our children. And the outcome is being pushed through educational technology and digital learning. So in our great state, that should be very conservative, conservative, the Texas Association for School Administrators' mission for transformation of education states that their end goal is 24 seven, anywhere, anytime learning, digital learning. And what they want is these children on these digital devices, where as a parent, you think, oh, my child's doing math or, oh, my child's doing or English. Yeah. But in reality, embedded in all those programs is this social-emotional learning. And as Lynn said, Commissioner Marath stated, and I think it was 2016, that when they piloted these programs in Austin ISD and in El Paso ISD, that they are embedding character traits into all of our academics.
0: They're bragging about that. Yes, they're—they're they're not okay. And
3: and and this is also—I mean, this is not a this is not a state of Texas issue. This is a national issue because it comes from Every Student Succeeds Act. It's in that federal act. Is
0: the, that's a George W. Bush thing? No, that, that
3: well, it originally was, and the, they rewrote it to um, in 2015 Obama. under Obama. Okay, but in that but, it or all the Ted mandates Cruz for SEL.
1: Was, I think he may have been campaigning when ESSA passed. So. I you mean know, our republican legislators didn't even read it.
0: Okay, so I want to get back to this idea. This this uh, happens to be a woman, Karen Niemi, I say her name, CEO of this company Castle. She's acknowledging, she's building into the technolog- into the
3: the framework, it's framework, a framework that they use.
0: This notion of creating essentially social justice warriors, mm-hmm. activists yes. for kids and, and in turn, they would inform and inspire their parents. It is it's it's, it's an, a society trans transformative effort.
3: Correct. And and the, the problem is, is this is coming from the state level and the federal level, but we as parents, and I want to give parents the power, we have the power. Um, through our local control, through our school board of trustees, we do have power because we have the power of the purse. So our trustees, if they are aware of this, which they should be, they have the ability to not fund these programs when they when BrainPop come, comes across their desk, or Purposeful People, or Frog Leap, or Follet, or any of the. I think we have over two hundred approved technology programs in, mm-hmm. in Highland Park. Yeah, that we are paying between you know thirty thousand to eighty thousand dollars they can say, no, we're, we're not going to do that. And that's where you begin to make a change. And then the other change is when, you know, what we're seeing really a rise in whether it's Southlake or Allen or Grapevine-Cauleyville or, or Highland Park, where parents have united against CRT and social-emotional learning. At some point, we hope to turn these school boards over to reflect the will of the people. And then once that happens, I think these trustees from all these different districts in our state can unite to go to the state level to fight back against the TEA, to Mm -hmm. fight back against our corrupted TEKS, the Texas Essential Knowledge and Skills, and our State Board of Education, and then we can really begin to make a difference.
0: Okay, well, that was actually kind of the next avenue I wanted to get to. So these, this is all very alarming stuff. And I think that people, you know, generally speaking in life, if you send your kids to public school, and you both live in lovely areas where people assume that public schools are pretty darn great, as compared with many other school districts across our country. And I don't think, I do think recently, more parents have started to realize my kids are getting propagandized at school. I thought they were learning their multiplication tables. Turns out they're getting propagandized. So people are starting to realize that. But it seems like such a monolithic force. I mean, these outside agencies providing things to schools and the schools, you know, they may say, Hey, this is what we have to do to be trendy. This is what we have to do to be, to stay up. Everybody else is doing this. We'll be be behind. But you're actually talking about, I'm going to turn to Lynn, but you're actually talking about the idea that this technology in schools is corrupting students, propagandizing them. So what is the answer beside, you know, kick out Castle? But what is the answer for the public schools to do?
1: Well, I mean, it's not, we've taken a pretty hard and fast stance that they should not have these kids on devices in the younger grades, most, most importantly, the younger grades, but even beyond that. Because we, you look at the Silicon Valley, you know, these uh, executives, they know they don't have their children on devices. There have been countless articles about that. Uh, but people, I think there's this this fear that, well then they won't be innovative, they won't be cutting edge, they won't know how, you know, what kind of technology is coming and and the future, you know, is all digital. Well, but but the way that children learn and the way that they should learn, all those time-tested things that are being cast aside, those are the things that children really need. 52% of our kids cannot read on grade level in my district. So you look at—we've brought in all this technology through No Child Left Behind and Bush. We've got reading software that that we that our teachers are relying on, and it's not doing the job.
0: So the actual answer is you have to really remove almost all technology. Remove the tech. There's a
1: a school in in East Dallas, Highlander, No Tech School. I had Meg go tour it the other day just to see.
0: So then that what they would do, if you didn't have that, you'd go back to what was the case, at least when I was in school. Probably you were in school, you get books, you get notebooks, you get pens, you get papers. Uh, I mean, it was a really cool thing to get a calculator at some point with your math problems. But I mean, it's, a, it's much more a hands-on thing. I have to tell you, it seems like harder work for teachers. To go back to real teaching, I'm not saying that makes that that they are amenable or agreeable to all that's occurring in the technology, but
1: we're it's, highly dependent on the Chromebooks yeah, that rolled they gotta out be. in the junior high yeah. and high schools. Yes, and iPads in the elementary schools, and you'll see in these Title One schools, these these schools in poverty, people will think they're doing good by donating iPads to them. And I cringe every time I see Mm -hmm. those articles because I know, I know better Mm -hmm. and it's not going to do anything for them and their brain development. We know that they learn better when they write. We also know that children with dyslexia do better when they write in cursive because it's good for their brain. It connects in a way that is good for them. And the way that they're learning to read now is actually harmful and causing more problems with reading.
0: Okay, so back to Governor DeSantis in Florida. You know, I, I, I actually really like him, and I think that he believes what he's saying. I don't know if he knows anything about what we're talking about well, they today. They don't listen to people but, like us. But, but, but I'm, yeah, just, I'd love to hear. So so he says this, he makes a pronouncement, no more uh, critical race theory in Florida schools and all these great, I mean, he, I love how he gels things down sometimes because we're not going to teach our children to hate each other or hate their country, Pretty darn good message. But what does he do? So he passes a law or makes that pronouncement, but he really isn't able to enforce it unless he changes a lot of other things, right? Well, it's
3: it's kind of like in Texas how we said no to Common Core, but we had we have Common Core, we just named it college and career ready. So you can say we can ban CRT in our state, but as long as we have social and emotional learning coming in through digital learning, then we have critical race theory. So that's why it's really important that parents understand what that what it's called and what the words are so when they go to their district and they go to their trustees and they ask you know do we have this how are we teaching this that they know what the buzzwords are and it's not just in our public schools this is in our public private and charter schools because our our private schools are all on digital devices as well Well, yeah yeah, there's only two i think in 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 dallas providence and um, highlander that are truly you know book learning institutions and they're they are they have wait lists i mean if Because parents want, it's not a left or right issue. Every parent wants their child to know how to read well and write well and be able to think critically based on true factual knowledge. And that's just not happening now. So we are seeing, I mean, in my district since 2013, we've had a declining enrollment because parents are recognizing my children aren't learning. And we've got schools like Providence and schools like Highlander that parents are trying to put their children in. And there's a big wait list because they want a classical education of you know, books. Not saying that technology doesn't have a place. It's it's a tool, but it shouldn't be the teacher. And that's
0: that's th- a good line. That it's tool, not a teacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Excuse
3: me. Well, so that that's basically. I just think it's important because I we've Lynn and I have both met with many parents from private schools here. Said especially like for one, ESD at the Episcopal School of Dallas. It is unbelievable what's happening in that school with CRT, and it's right there under their noses. And parents are, you know, waking up to it, and they're beginning to organize there as well and recognizing that this is not acceptable. Okay. And our enrollment is down as
1: well in Richardson ISD. Mm -hmm. It was down about 4%, and that's just the ones that they know about. There are plenty of kids who are logging on, but they're not engaging. And the governor bailed them out with about to the tune of maybe $10 million where they don't hold, it's called hold harmless. But next year it's going to be a different story because they're not, the, the academic progress will not be there.
0: So the parents were are concerned, they should figure out what their kids are learning, mm-hmm. what, what, their, what tools are being used to teach their kids, and they need to go to their schools to start with and then the school boards, you two have been active active going to school boards. Have you found them receptive to what you're trying to say?
3: My school board, no. So my district continues to say we don't have CRT. And another great way to to learn if your school does, which we know because we have SEL, we have Brain Pop, we have Character Strong, we have purposeful, purposeful people. So factually, we definitely are teaching critical race theory through social emotional learning. But another good tool for parents is the Freedom of Information Act. So we in our district have been using that. There's a, a group of very active, engaged parents. That's wonderful to see with young children, and we have found many, you know, emails and communications with our district. And uh, one of it was the Center for Social Justice was one of the um, places that we sent teachers for professional development. So oh, good. <laughs> yeah. So a, a good thing for parents to ask is where are our, our teachers receiving professional development? Because the fact of the matter is we, the taxpayer, are paying for this. So we, we the taxpayer, are paying for these programs. We're paying for our, our teachers to be indoctrinated into this sort of teaching and training in order to train our children rather than to educate, academically educate them. So that's, that's an important question for parents to ask.
1: I pulled a Freedom of Information request from my district about SEL. This was probably two years ago, and they had sent... Uh, some teachers to Austin to be trained. And I, I think it was part of cat, something to do with Castle. But uh, so, I mean, th- these are the boondoggles that they go on and they learn how to, to bring this back and train the other teachers on it. Professional yep. development is definitely how it's coming through besides the teaks, And, and you had asked about uh, earlier, you know, how it's coming. And I know that back when I was running for school board, this was around 2017, I remember talking about Dwayne Bohack, who was a state rep, and, um, and I don't know if he still is now, but he was trying to embed character traits. And he was pushing a bill about character traits, and, and um, you know, he I think he thought that he was doing a good thing because you keep hearing how the kids, well, their moral compass is off, and and they're not. Uh, you know they're disrespectful. They're not behaving well, and and so well shoot, we got to do something about it. And so they they put forth these bills, but um, it, they don't realize the harm they're doing because once it's embedded in the teeks, then it will have to be assessed. And then if it's assessed, that means that that star test will not be about academics. It will be about your answers on your, uh, your emotional state. Yeah. Yes.
0: One point you made we're about wrapping up on the, our time on this, but. Uh, One point you were both making earlier in our phone call today was this is not, I love you said also, you both said it today more or less, this is not Republican versus Democrat, left Mm -hmm. versus right, this is do kids get good education. I love that point. It's also not the case that the uh, critical learning, critical race theory and SEL stuff is being pushed just by leftists or just by, it it Mm -hmm. is pervasive in the public schools. And I will say, um, I think that there are probably people on the conservative side who don't really see it for what it is. They think they're just helping kids learn to be nicer or to not be so or not be racist or to love each other or something that falls in the realm. Well, that's a pretty nice thing to teach kids, not recognizing that the sinister social justice agenda behind it. But when the outside organizations, like the one you mentioned, Castle, is weaving it or, or slithering it into the cre- things that they create and end up in our public schools. We are enabling the social justice agenda to emerge in, in, in the hearts and minds of young people by the time they're finishing school. So it's a, it is a call to action for conservatives uh, to recognize and, and to be more vocal in your schools and to not back down when you talk to your teacher and she said, oh, no, we don't have that here find out what's in the school and the curriculum they are looking at. Okay, I can tell, ladies, we're going to have to do this again because it's really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, i give one quick parting shot. Is there any website you direct people to go to to learn more about this or um, any ways they can inform themselves better? I don't even know. There is such a thing.
1: Well, look, if your, your school district has hired a diversity, equity, and inclusion director, uh, that's that's usually where some of, where this can come through. And then follow your the agenda items on your School boards, um, you know, through, for the school board meetings, because you can really start to understand, kind of, the, you know, where these things are coming through and where they're being approved. But they won't necessarily discuss it there at the horseshoe. But they will have to approve budget items. And so, combing that, um, and you'll get more familiar as you do it. And just showing up, ask a bunch of questions, ask your kids, and pay attention to what they're learning and listening. You know, you're listening in on what
3: they're what they're doing on.
1: Zoom.
0: Any other things Meg to add?
3: I would agree with everything that, that Lynn said for sure. And I would just remind parents that we can't discount what these people are saying themselves. These are their words, not ours. And so when your district looks at you and says, we don't have this, bring your bring the information that you have. It's all written black and white from Brain Pop, from Castle, from Follett, from all of these districts, you know, these different educational technology programs and their, their their purpose is to use social justice as a weapon and that's their words.
1: And there's nothing equitable about denying a child the most basic things like reading math history spelling and language all of those things will further their will will help them further their their
3: careers
1: down the, the road. The potential in life. Yes. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean so basically equitable.
3: We're we're just we're just advocating for an education of equal opportunity versus an education of equity, which is what our children are being provided now. And that is why it's not a left or right issue. It's, it's an issue that we all want this same opportunity to go and to reach our fullest potential. Absolutely.
0: Meg Bakich and Lynn Davenport, thank you so much for joining thank me you, today. This was great. Thank We're you, going to do Debbie. this again, You're I hope. Right. hope we yes, do it again. For sure. Okay, folks, I'm going to hit two other quick stories today very quickly. uh, First of all, we're on Critical Race Theory. I sent to Matt the Wonderful a flyer, which I'm going to ask him to put up on the screen. And uh, we are doing this in Dallas on June 17th. And you can find this at our website, americacanwetalk.org. AmericaCanWeTalk.org is only $25, and that is simply to cover costs. I'm flying these happy people in uh, to speak and to stay here for one night. And so it is a very uh, almost free, really information-packed evening uh, that you're going to hear from people who are in this battle to expose critical race theory, to have that you understand more what their fight has been, how they've spoken up. Um, and I, I went through the other day who these speakers are, but, uh, you can see them on the flyer. I urge you to go to our website again, americacanbetalk.org, sign up $25 the evening of Thursday, June 17th. I think you'll love it. I, I think you really enjoy it. Okay. Last topic for today. So I talked previously how, uh, President Biden had appointed Vice President Harris. She was going to be the border guru. She was supposed to be in charge of border policy. Well, several weeks in, he realized, first of all, her assistant, said to the media, uh, she's not doing the border. Like, like, it was like a teenage uh, you know, way you speak, I, I, I'm not doing that, not doing the border. But in any case, so Kamala Harris, the entire contribution she has made, to border security is to pontificate about how everyone who's coming up from Central America and South America through Mexico and pouring over America's completely porous southern border is really doing so, says she, because of climate change, don't you know? And so she picks a left wing theory of climate change and racial justice issues. I mean, she just, the most foolish, childish response from the vice president of the United States when assigned the duty of trying to get in charge of and trying to take charge of the mess of the border. So given she's clearly not going to do that now, President uh, Biden has announced that don't worry, she's not going to become our voting star. And I want to make really clear what he means by that. If you don't know what he means by that, let me help you. There was a bill, the very first thing the Democrats did when they got the majority in the House and the Senate, put forward a bill, was HR one. now it's SB1, Senate Bill 1, and it was the complete takeover of America's election system by the federal government. And I don't just mean they're going to have their sense of fairness and their idea of what would really be a good idea, what it involves is quite literally the federal government overtaking the criminal justice system, excuse me, the election system and putting in place every single policy leftists have used in this country to to, uh, perpetuate vote fraud. It literally outlaws all sorts of election integrity provisions. You have to get rid of voter ID requirements so any Tom Dick and Harry can show up and say, hey, yeah, yeah, I I think I'm gonna vote. No voter ID requirements no legal right to clean the, border roll, the, the voter rolls. It's issue after issue. It is the techniques used in California, widely recognized to have contributed to election fraud in California. The whole notion of ballot harvesting, somebody can go collect alleged ballots from anybody, claim those people were the ones who were, um, you know, the, oh yeah, this, these people and turn in a pile of ballots this is what they've done in California for years. This is why you've had massive voter fraud in California. Every single potential technique used for cheating and voting was what the Democrats were trying to, in H.R. 1, not just permit, but actually mandate mandate that every state use all these techniques because the federal government would then be in charge of every election from dog catcher to president. This is what H.R. 1 and now SB 1 is. It is hanging by a thread in the Senate. We fortunately have one Democrat who's not on board yet. Tremendous pressure on him. But I'm getting at the point. This is what the Democrats tried to do. And I just want to plant the seed right now. I'm sure we'll hear more statements about this and I'll happily play them for you. But Kamala Harris, being put in charge of the whole voting election thing will be an instant replay of Kamala Harris being put in charge of the border. She just defaults to racism. It's all she can think about. It is the, it is the premise of what she says all the time on every issue. It's a product of racism. It's, it's old racism. It is somehow or other everything she will look at with respect to election integrity will involve allegations of racism. You'll have all the usual Democrat tricks pulled out. You have the Democrats trotting someone across stage at some event saying, oh yes, I tried to register and some mean uh, person wouldn't let me register and I'm really a citizen. You'll have the sob story technique used to try to get people to believe there is a huge problem with uh, racial discrimination in voting, which there isn't you'll have pressure on state legislators if you think it was bad now in Georgia when they passed the most completely milk toast I mean milk toast election integrity bill in Georgia and yet you had major companies in America threatening to boycott Georgia threatening to and, and did boycott Georgia pull the major league baseball playoff games out of there or the whatever it was the all-star game major airlines moving out condemning you had major corporations condemning the most almost useless election integrity bill passed in Georgia, you're going to see it, that kind of conduct on steroids once Kamala Harris gets started in her new job as voting SAR. She is going to allege that any efforts to clean up voter rolls, to put in place reasonable procedures moving forward for the redistricting after our census, every potential technique that states have at their disposal under the Constitution to create their own rule, set of rules about voting, it will be it will be federalized. It will be propagandized by Kamala Harris. This is she's just gotten started in bringing race. In fact, she's kind of doing critical. She'll bring critical race theory thinking more or less to the voting the voting issue. Everything is about race. Everything and somehow you know she'll be alleging that I that things like voter ID are racist, the idea of requiring someone to have an ID in order to vote is racist. You'll have issue after issue after issue alleged by her to be based on racism. This is where we're headed with this. I don't know if Joe Biden even knows what he said. I don't even know if he's thinking about what she's going to do. All I know is he wanted to give her some job. She obviously refused to do the border job, so now she's to the job of the voting czar. And this is, I'm saying all this ahead of time because I think you'll hear stories and themes and memes and critical race theory style arguments out of her just be prepared for them to recognize they have zero connection to reality. Zero connection to truth. She just makes things up as the left does when they want to have what they had in this most recent election sale in 2020, massive out-of-control election fraud with no potential to rein it in, no potential to bring it under control. This is where we're headed with Kamala Harris as voting SAR. As I do at the close of every show, I try to tell you, And I wanted to say before I get to why it matters to you, I'm going to mention two things and then we'll get to why it matters to you. Number one, whenever I have guests on the show, I do not make a slide ahead of time for why it matters for my guests because I have no idea what they'll say. So I don't ever want to put words in their mouth, but I do why it matters slides for the topics that I cover. That's number one. And number two, I urge you to go to our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Number one, you can f- sign up to join our conference, attend our conference on June 17th. Number two, you can hit in the homepage, hit that subscribe button. You get a once a week newsletter from me. It is just filled with information, links to the show, links to the interviews, uh, upcoming information uh, about shows upcoming, guests upcoming. And if you have not yet joined America Can we Talk, I want to urge you to do that on America Can we Talk on the homepage. The very home page across the top, it says Member Click that button. It says join. The joining means, first of all, it's practically free. It's $5 a month or $50 a year. And so it's practically free, but Joining America Can We Talk allows you to have access to our once a week members only show, which is every Thursday. So tomorrow, if you're watching or hearing this show, whatever source you're hearing it from, to be able to listen to tomorrow's show, the Thursday show, you need to be a member of America Can We Talk. And the show, America Can We Talk, goes out only from our website, americacanwetalk.org. americacanwetalk.org. If you're a member, you can go to that. You sign up. It's easy as pie on the website. You go there for Thursday show, and you'll see the show live. <clears throat> also has in addition to being live, we have a live in studio audience, which is very fun, uh, and that's every week on Thursdays. We'll have it. So again, tomorrow we have tomorrow we have a gentleman coming in who's joining us, who's going to be a um, he is uh, apparently going to run for attorney general of the great state of Texas. He's a former state rep. He is a um, rock solid conservative, really, really smart and savvy. Uh, he'll be joining us in studio. Matt Rinaldi, as I say, a small in-studio audience. Oh, by the way, if you're a member and you are going to, if you live in North Texas or you'll be in town, email me at americakimmetalk at gmail.com and you can uh, become a member and I can get you invited to the in-studio audience tomorrow. It's a great time. It's really actually a lot of fun to come in three o'clock to our studio and watch the show live. Uh, We have upcoming guest. Gordon Chang is the following Thursday. You may recognize his name. He is an expert on China. He's going to explain to you the latest on China and COVID and who knew the virus came out of the lab and many other things he's aware of about China. We have Congressman Louie Gohmert coming up. Great Thursday guests from members only shows. Love to have you join. Hope you will consider joining America. Can makes it possible for me to do this show in this beautiful studio with this completely professional and wonderful producer and everybody else here who makes this show possible. So hope you consider joining. And I thank you so much for tuning in to America. Can we talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central time? And now we'll turn to why it matters to you. So the epic TikTok video puts a lie to a critical race theory. Heart-melting video message from a young black father and daughter cuts to the core of critical race theory. There is no love in critical race theory. There's only the fomenting of division and suspicion and hatred with no way out. Children's innocence naturally embraces and gives voice to truth. Hatred and bigotry <clears throat> excuse me, are not native to children. They result from wrong teaching. Critical race theory is poison at any school at any level. America's founding ideals, biblically grounded, from the right foundation, formed the right foundation for civil society. All men and women created equal by one creator. All endowed with inalienable rights by one creator. To life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The necessary conclusion of American ideals, content of character matters. Skin color, group identity, does not. And we also had our other slide, Kamala and the new Tsar of voting rights. It's almost like a joke. Honestly, she'd be the Tsar of voting rights for crying out loud. OK, Biden appoints Harris as SAR for protection of voting rights after her performance as SAR for border security, for which she did nothing except blame climate change and racism. Election integrity initiatives are ridiculously mischaracterized, requiring voter ideas a matter of common sense at the most basic level. To imply that minority voting is suppressed because minorities can't get an ID, this is monumentally insulting to minorities. It's the worst of true racism. Easy to vote, hard to cheat, ought to be embraced by all who value democracy. Harris's track record is to racialize everything. Americans are fed up with being impugned as racist. Harris is likely to fail again, and that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at three p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time.
1: Can you hear America, can we talk truth about America? Can you hear-